Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 8, 2015. And today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 11. We're going to start with paragraph 3 for context and read 3 and 4. Pardon me, 4 and 5 to study our first focused reading today on. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Jody E., The 12 Traditions, Diane G. Reading the text today for us is Martha Z., Chelsea H., and Nicole S. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 7, 2015, is 8251. 8251. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jody E. to read the 12 steps. Press star 1, Jody E. Press star one, Jody E. Hello, this is Jody. Yes, this is Jody E. in California. Thank you, Melanie. These here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody E. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, a recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. As a whole. <clears throat> Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 11 for context starting with paragraph 3 and focusing our shares and experience on paragraph 4 and 5. I will ask Martha Z to begin our study today. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your generous service. This is Martha C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from near Philadelphia, by the grace of God. 
But my friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. Had this power originated in him? Obviously it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and this was none at all. That floored me. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart, which has done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, as I was reading this, I was just thinking that um, he's, he is actually seeing his friend, that his friend has had a spiritual experience, and he's, he's really describing it as he talks about it. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I, so I, what it made me think of was it made me think about the, the part on the spiritual experience in the back of the book on 557. And it says, he finally realizes that he's undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. And then, hang on one second. Um, what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by a few years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of the power greater than themselves. And then it, it goes on to say our more religious members call it God consciousness. And he, he, he can, in, in Epi's case, it was two months. All of a sudden, you know, things had had happened in such a short period of time. And then in, on page 27, and there is a solution. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side. A completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. So what, is he, what he is seeing is, is a spiritual experience or a psychic change in his friend. And then the, the last paragraph it says, here was something at work in a human heart, which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. And it made me think about at the convention when Ruth was talking about how each of the steps have to be taken in the heart. And you can see, Bill, he's, he's having a perception shift. He says his ideas about miracles are re were drastically revised. And to me, a miracle is a, a shift in perception. And I, for myself, when I realized that God was able to help me with the thing that I struggled with more than anything else in my entire life, my eating, that he could help me with anything. And I kept seeing that there were so many miracles that were happening in my life. And I, I sometimes think that, you know, that I, you know, somehow I've, I've you know, shouldn't I've, he's given me so many miracles maybe you know i've used you know maybe there's too many maybe i shouldn't think that there could be anything else that could happen but i also know that the grace of god is unlimited so i'm we, that we can't limit the grace of god so um i just i love this program and i am uh, grateful to be here and grateful to give service and i pass thank you thank you martha z who would like to comment 
Hi, Charles. Chrissy, I'm This is Bella. Can I sell? Kim G. I got you, Kim. Hang on just one second. Let's see what I got so far. I have Charles H., Chrissy, Kim G., and Bella G. Anybody else? Julie R. I have Janice. And then who else? Julie R., did I hear you? Julie R. Okay, got you, Julie. Anyone else? Hi, Sue G. Okay, let's go with that. So I have Charles H., Chrissy M., Kim G., Bella G., Janice M., Julie R., and Sue G. in that order. Thanks so much. Hi, Charles. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Charles H., a recovered visionary caller from New York. Um, Let me just put this out here right quick because it's been running around my mind for a while. Um, just because a person is religious don't mean they're spiritual. Um, you know, I want to drill down where it says he had no more power in him than, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's no special um, person that has access to this power. Anybody can have access to a power greater than himself. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you know, a higher power is there for anybody. Um you know, for myself, for myself, I could practice religion real. I could practice my religion real good, but I couldn't practice this practical program of action. It's so simple. I've been un- I've been blocked because I'm like, yo, what's going on? If I'm in your head, I'm out of my mind. Like, all I need to do is 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 trust and believe, right? I I can't see, I can't see, but I can trust and believe. Yeah, forget about my musty past. Oh, man, two weeks ago, this morning was musty. But I believe and I trust a power greater than myself. You know, um, spirituality is a powerful thing. I ain't got it. I need it. I'm searching for it. I'm seeking it. I'm, I'm trying one day at a time to get it. And, you know, things that, things that I, I thought I couldn't do, um, with the help of a, a higher power, oh, man, flying colors going down right now, flying colors. But it's because of the spiritual aspect of it. And, you know, and Linus said it good. You know, society is commercializing. You know you know why vision for you is so powerful? Because this is not no commercial, man. This is real-life love every single day. So I have no more power than you, but this thing is, is we all can get this power if we're willing to get it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Chrissy M. Chrissy M., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. Thank you so much. Uh, boy, I'm so glad that I got to speak on this because I'm right here today this morning. Um, it works every time. Um, I I had to write something on my my wall because I I forget I forget just like I forget with the food that every time I surrender God could come in with His power to give me power. I had to write Where are you blocked? Ask God to remove it. Ask for direction and thank Him for the power to do it. And that, that works for every time. But there's one thing that always used to get me confused is that I thought that I would feel the power, that the power would, 
you know, over, over, overshadow my doubts and insecurities. My doubts and insecurities are going to be there. The decision to believe that this works, that that God works, is a decision. It's a, it's an absolute decision, and it has nothing to do with feelings. That is such an important point for me to remember, and for anyone who thinks that the power of God is going to be like, sometimes it is, but that it's always going to be like a lightning rod that comes in and gives you no doubts and no insecurities. It's it's not that way. It hasn't been for me. It's a decision to believe and to not take that compulsive bite with the faith, the belief that even though I want to do it and it feels wrong not to do it, that I'll get the power to resist it if I just ask for it and wait out the feelings. And um, and that that's worked for me, and it works for me every time. It's not easy, but it works. Thanks. Thank you, Chrissy M. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered positive reader from South Jersey. Had this power originated in him, Obviously, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and that was none at all. This is so beautiful. It reminds me of the doctor's opinion about talking about frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. What what does work is a message of depth and weight. So what is frothy emotional appeal? Frothy emotional appeal is those those people that love us, those people that are begging us, Look at the consequences of your eating, Kim. Please stop. Let me give you this medical information about your cholesterol and your blood pressure. Please stop. Don't you understand the consequences? Please stop. But when someone comes at me who's, who is a real compulsive overeater, someone who can talk from a place of understanding what it means to be powerless, what it means to have lack of power being your dilemma, what it means to not have the choice to pick up today, to not pick up today, I mean, that's what we're experiencing here. He is seeing himself in Evie. Evie doesn't even need to tell him about the problem because Bill and Evie are the same person. And for me personally, this is the beauty of the choreography of the universe with this. Because Roland Hazard and Cebu Graves brought this message to, to Evie, and Evie's bringing it to Bill. I believe, this is my personal belief, if Roland and, C- and Cebu Graves came to, to Bill, I don't know if we'd have a fellowship because I don't know... If, Eddie, if Bill would have believed them because they weren't telling him about the disease, they were telling him about the solution. And I don't know if Bill would have believed they had the same problem because he didn't know him. But he knew, he absolutely knew that, that, that Eddie and him were the same. And that's why he understood that lack of power was his dilemma, lack of power was, was Eddie's dilemma. And whatever Eddie was doing, he was free from the beast. And he wanted to know how he got free. And I think to myself, you know, at this point, Bill knows the problem because he's talked to Dr. Silkworth and he's now being introduced to the solution and a plan of action. But the first six months, Bill was not getting anyone sober because he was approaching people the way that Evie was approaching him, saying, you know, I've got religion, I've got God, come on, people, I know you're sitting in, this, in, the, you know, in the streets drinking your ass off, but I, I have the solution and it wasn't working. And Dr. Silkworth said, no, 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 you've got to let him know that you are like him. Give him the medical business, give it him hard. And when he did that for the first time with Bill, with um, Bob, six months later, 
And Bob said, this is the first person I've ever talked to who knows about alcoholism from the first person, from actual experience. So that is what we're experiencing right here. Bill and Ebby have a message of depth and weight because they know, I know as a real compulsive overeater what it means to suffer. And let me flatly declare, I know as a real compulsive overeater what it means to have this solution and be free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Bella G. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G. And I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such wonderful, wonderful paragraph. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. Yes, this is what happened to me. The first, the first time that I went to a meeting in the OA, I didn't know nothing about the OA. I didn't know what does it mean. I just went because the doctor told me to go. And I was sure it's again another diet club. And I remember when I came, right after me came a lady uh, that she looked so gorgeous, so wonderful, and so skinny. And I, I got I was angry at her. I said, oh, why this lady is coming here? She doesn't understand what I'm going through. And, you know, God heard my thinking. And this lady came to talk after we read something. And she was talking something from her heart. And it came through right to my heart. And suddenly I heard something that I never heard in my life. She didn't talk about diet. She didn't talk about food. She was talking about her challenges. And I said, wow, it's me. I am going through the same challenges. And she was talking about feelings, how she deal with those feelings that I never heard about this way of behaving and thinking. And then, right then, when I said, wow, I want what this lady, she has. I want the same thing. You know, even though I didn't understand, you know, why they are talking about God, I didn't still, I didn't understand how God is coming into the picture. But this was the minute, the first minute, when I decided, yes, I want what this lady has. And I really have to, I, 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 I own her, my life. And this is the first time that I heard words that come from the heart. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Janice M. Well, good morning to you, Melanie, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, this is the process that I had to be in, and nothing less than the process of knowing, of knowing that I had no more power in me, no more willpower. And I think that's what Bill is is, is teaching us here, that, you know, I went through all this. I went through all the physical wants and instinctual. My instincts were being met like myself. I had success and money, and I, you know, trying to find find the way with power. And it doesn't work. I don't have it. And I can't beat this thing of compulsive overeating. 
So he knew that. He he felt it inside like I experienced it. Because if I don't feel like this, then it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So between my experience, his experience, and his and his demands, you know, like Bill, for personal prestige, et cetera, you know, has to be redirected because it's not working, you know, the physical. So the question here is he knows that because he's got proof, you know, from his friend who drank like him. So it began, the line, it says, it began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which was has done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised. Well, this tells me that in this process, like myself, I'm starting to open my mind. My mind is starting to open. Well, you see, you know, maybe, you know, these religious people do have something. Instead of blocking it and saying, no, 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 I'm going to find something else. I'm going to use my own willpower. Because I know the willpower failed me. I tried everything. There was nothing left. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. But when he said, my ideas about miracles were drastically revised, that's the whole thing right then, that my ideas, I'm starting to have willingness to change. I'm laying aside that I cannot do this anymore. I'm laying aside my ideas, my prejudices. I'm opening my mind to mm, maybe come to something that I can believe like Ebby. And that's, uh, to me, that's the key. See, I'm changing from the physical world of my willpower that doesn't work to willingness, which is the key for, to recovery for me because I don't have the willpower. So he's starting to change, and that's the process, to change little by little, to open my mind and be willing to say, yeah, you know, so-and-so at this meeting, she did this, I did this, and she's changed, and that's what's happening here for step two, to get to step two. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Julie R. Hi. Thank you, Melanie. Um, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. You know, that first sentence, has this had this power originated in him? You know, what power? Because I'd always been trying to force my life the way I wanted it to work. You know, it's kind of like that... Um, square peg in the round hole and nothing worked because it was me. That power was trying to come from me. And, you know, I don't know if it's on, I think it's on page 44 when it talks about lack of power is our dilemma. So the, the whole thing about this program is finding a power greater than Julie, greater than my self will, my ego that's going to rocket me into this fourth dimension. And when I found that power, my whole life opened up. And it's continuing to open up because I am still Julie, but I am not Julie driven by Julie and Julie driven by her creator. And when I finally got it, it took me a long time. I've been in OA since 83 and I've had, you know, this cycle. And But now today and, you know, for the last 15 months, I have been able to live through my creator, which I have this infinite power now. Food is neutral. Manipulation is better. Anger is rare. Um, it's like, yeah, I am in that, that area of my life where my thoughts and my ideas have changed. And I never thought it was going to happen to me. I could hear tons of people talking about being recovered. 
And I wanted that so much, but yet I was still trying to control everything. And I am just so excited to be, to say that, you know, I am there, you know, I am with my God. I am having miracles in my life every day. My past does not rule me. And, you know, I am not religious at all. I'm spiritual. And, you know, to me, those words, you know, are are polar opposites. But it's like I live with a God today that guides me. And, you know, food is nothing to me. It's just fuel. That's all it is. And it's the result of finding this power greater than myself because I have something else that I can get my strength from, and I no longer need food to fill a void. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. Sue G. Good morning, everyone. I was just sitting here thinking, you know, I'm so grateful for all of you doing service just by coming to a meeting and sharing, because I wouldn't be where I am now if it weren't for all of you. With that... um, you know, Bill said has his power originated in him. No, we have a we have a hole where spirituality wants to be filled. God wants to come in and fill that little hole. And um it doesn't originate in us. God puts that in us. That desire to to have a power greater than ourselves, to allow miracles to happen. Um, I was brought up religious, I you know, I was a person of faith, but I didn't live it. I mean, I, I I did all the all the do's and tried not to do the don'ts, but I didn't have uh, I didn't trust God with my food. Um, I surrendered my life, my will, and my food, but I really kind of wondered, eh, does he really does he really want my food? Um, I thought he's got more important things to do, but. Um, it floored Bill because he began to start seeing that, um, as we'll read later in We Agnostics, that maybe, you know, hey, maybe people of faith, maybe those religious ones have something going. And and maybe, you know, maybe my background didn't give me a good enough, it didn't really um, give me what I'm seeing with Evie. Uh, I'm missing something. And I want, I want what Evie has. And that's why it's so important for those of us who personally know people and know that they're hurting and in pain for us to share because those are the ones we're going to listen to. Those are the ones who are going to listen to us. Um, I, uh, my, my, his ideas of miracles were drastically changed right then. Um, I'm experiencing the promises of step, of step nine, but only as I came to really surrender um, and be willing do what the big book says, um, word for word, um, doing my 11th step in the morning, doing my 11th step at night, doing my 10th step. Um, I have to be in steps 10 to 12. I know that's not in, in our readings, but that's, you know, that's part of us being able to experience those miracles, is to work the steps and to be uh, have them part of our lives, to really really do them, not just read them, not just, okay, I I know about the step, but to really do it, be involved physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, involved in all of that. And uh, so he was, he was giving up the musty past, and uh, there was a miracle sitting right in front of him. 
and uh, I think of Christmas, I think of he shouted great tidings. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm shouting great tidings of great joy over my program. And uh, there's so many dual meanings for things that Bill said, and I am so grateful for them. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sue G. We have space for three more people to share on this paragraph on these paragraphs before we move on. Who are those three? Ronnie P. Ronnie T. Reva P. Okay. I, I got Vasa O, Larry K, and Ronnie P. Those are my three. Thanks so much. Vasa O, you go first, please. Vasa? Star one, Vasa? <clears throat> if not, Larry Kay, would you go? And then we'll catch up with Vasa. Sure, sure, I'll do that, Melanie. Thanks uh, for your right. service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader. Um, you know, step two is, is not as difficult as I made it out to be. Um, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, the, the, the second step question is, is pretty, it's a pretty basic one, you know. Is it possible just possible. Is there, is there a chance that there's some power greater than me, some energy, perhaps some creative intelligence, some force in the universe? Is it possible that this force is more powerful than, than me, you know, than my, than my thoughts, than, than my problems? Is, is that possible? Yeah, you know, if you can say, uh, if anybody can say, yeah, I think it, it, it may just be possible may just be possible. That's your second step. In fact, I would, I would suggest to you that that's all there is to the second step. Again, you know, that doesn't have to be all there is to the second step for you. You know, you can, you can make this more complicated if you will. I know I did um, if, I, if you want to. But you certainly don't have to. You know, the idea that to do the second step that you need to know precisely who your higher power is, crazy in my mind. That, that's not, you know, if, if you do know who your higher power is, fine. That, that's, that's terrific, you know, and that, that, that may be more help to you. I mean, if you've known who your higher power is since you were, you know, three years old, that's great. That's uh, extra credit. You get extra credit. And it, and it may make your, your road a lot easier, but that's not a lot of people's experience. It wasn't mine. And if the best way that you can wrap your brain around what's happening to people on this line, the amazing transformation, the fact that they're being drastically, uh, uh, you know, restored to sanity is to accept a higher power that's non-traditional, that's, you know, that different than, you know, someone else's conception of a higher power. You know, that's more than adequate as far as I'm concerned. You know, we make a beginning. The idea is not to overcomplicate step two. All you need is, is some concept of a higher power, and that's enough. Um, we don't need to get spirit, spirituality and religion all tied up in a ball, uh, and I did. And, you know, we're not talking about religion here. We're talking about finding a power. We're not anti-religion. We're just not advocating a particular theology. As, as a ticket required to, to cross this bridge to freedom. So grateful that, <clears throat> that people carried that message to me so I didn't get stuck in step two. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Vasa O, are you back? Yes, I'm back, and I'm sorry I was muted when I was talking. Well, good morning, everyone, and I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Vida, calling from 
Florida, and thank you, Melanie, for your service, and thank you for everybody's here today that does service to all of us. And anyways, I I had some religion, but my religion didn't make me abstinent. I tried to use my own power to stop eating for many, many, many years and love my and live my life, you know, by my own power. I did not know I could go to God. Um, you know, I just did not know what I did not know. Uh, I had the gift of desperation. I didn't understand what spiritual experience was until I received one. I hadn't gone through the steps yet, but I was 12 steps for about one week and and how the program worked by a friend. Um, and But I, when, once I made the decision in my desperation, and I was ready and willing, willing to, surre- to surrender, and I, I admit that I was powerless over the food, and I asked God to forgive me for for the sins I had committed over my lifetime. I had never gone to a confession before. I felt this power go through my body. I felt it went from my head to my heart. I was I felt I was raised right that moment from death to life. I hadn't lost not even one pound, or you know, but. I just felt the lighter already. The the weight was just lifted off my shoulders. That's what brought me. That's what I've been coming because of the spiritual experience I had. And I've had many, many spiritual awakenings and experiences as I've gone through the steps. That was only the beginning. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Ronnie P. Uh, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Ronnie P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, I am so glad that Ebby spoke to um, to Bill. Um, you know, if if we want to, we can all follow probably a chain of succession going all the way back there. I got recovered because my sponsor was recovered. She was recovered because someone else worked with her. And that person worked with him and him. And actually, we all have this, like, line of succession that goes right back to this to this initial um, event. And what I love about that is that each one of us who got recovered and helped the next one, we're all just bozos on the same bus. Thank God nobody waited until they were perfect in some way before reaching out to help other people because it's in our imperfection that we actually have power. We don't have the answers, and we get it. We get it. What we get is that some power bigger than ourselves has the answer. So that relieves us of all kinds of pressure to be perfect before we reach out and help another person uh, who, who, who is just as desperate as we had been. And those actions sometimes, even as imperfect as we may think they are, is enough. It's enough because we just help turn on the light or help the other person see the light. And then their own light pulls them forward. You know, um, I've been recovered. I just passed my first year anniversary, and I've brought three other people through recovery. And it is, it's magnificent. I never thought when somebody was being my Ebby that one day I would feel strong enough to help someone else get recovered. And here I am a year later, and I'm someone else's Ebby, and someone else is my bill, and then they're going to go on. 
So to newcomers who are on the line, I realize that a lot of this language might sound weird. Um, please just forgive us, but hang in there. Uh, it really, truly is a miracle. And with Ebby helping Bill, that was as much about Ebby staying recovered. If Ebby hadn't helped Bill, I guarantee you Ebby would not have remained sober. So, you know, just uh, hang in there. Um, this this book is miraculous. It's really miraculous. Um, I have a sponsee who I just helped this week. She gave me her fifth step. She's already started doing nine-step stuff, and it is just, it, it almost makes me cry to see sort of the transformation she's having. And it's just this place of peace. It's a place of peace. And the, and the peace that she feels in doing a nine-step with others, that's her higher power. Like, she wasn't sure what her higher power was, and I don't want to share much more because obviously it's her story, but but... I think for me, too, that's where I started to get it. So anyway, thanks for listening, and I pass. Thank you, Ronnie P. And Chelsea Linda H., R. I have your... Linda R. Hi. <laughs> Just one second, Linda R. I have Chelsea H. queued up to start the reading for the next paragraph for sharing, but I wanted to invite two more because I thought that there was kind of a push for more to share on this paragraph. I'll, I can take two more, and that's it, and we're going to move to Chelsea Judy then. P. Mary A., Okay, I heard Linda Reva R, P. and Reva then P. I heard Judy. So those would be, in all fairness, the first two orders that I heard. So Linda, please, and then Judy. Sorry, Mary. Sorry, Reva. Uh, maybe the next sentence. Good Thanks morning. So Thank you so much for your service. Linda R recovered in South Florida. You know, that word frothy emotional appeal, you know, I, every time I hear it, I never quite got it, but when I looked it up, it says light without substance. And I was thinking, you know, with the sponsoring and working the program, you know, when I first came into this program, I had no substance. I didn't even know who I was. I mean, I did not have an intimate relationship with people or myself or with God. And through the steps and through the cultivation of the higher power that's personal to me, I was able to have more of a solid recovery so that once I got that, and, you know, it took a lot of work and still does every day, you know, my program must be of substance. It cannot be light, frothy. It's got to really be of substance. And the only way that God and I can achieve this is really, you know, to do a lot of action and really doing a lot of service in the program. So I just wanted to share that, you know, being a recovered person, it's still not a guarantee. I have to still continue to work my program daily, be vigilant with whatever works for me, to establish a solid program. And then once I have that, and thank you, dear God, for today I do, I'm able to give it away with a lot of substance. And I'm just very grateful also that I have something that I can give to others that I had it before, but never at this level since I've really done the work through the big book steps. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you, Linda R. Judy Kay. Thank you, um, Melanie. I'm Judy Cave from Wisconsin. First of all, I want to thank my higher power for here was something at work in the human heart which had done the impossible. My heart was closed, and um, I used to pray to my higher power, just zap me when I least expected, because my heart was closed, and my mind was closed against the whole process, against, particularly against my higher power. And so I'm grateful for that. And the last sentence, he shouted great tidings. On page 18, it says, 
when we're working with other, when we're carrying the message to others, that the man who's making the approach has had the same difficulty, that he obviously knows what he is talking about, that his whole department shouts at the new prospect that he is a man with a real answer. And that is what happened when Bill saw Ebby. Ebby was shouting great tidings, his whole department, and he was telling him about wonderful things, how his mind and his attitude and his heart had changed. And that's when we go to meetings and when when we're in recovery, we can shout those same those same great tidings. We can be the miracle for people to see that there is something that can can change and and get them out of the hell they are in. I know that for me, I saw great tidings and see great tidings in many people. Um, I hear great tidings when I'm listening on Vision for You. When I go to meetings where there are recovered people, I see. I see their enthusiasm, their joy, their freedom. I hear what they're saying and, and, and how they share the freedom from all of their pain and um, the joy at finding a power greater than themselves and working the steps. So um, we, we, Abby shouted great tidings, and we have that same opportunity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Judy Kay, and thank you for those that shared. I'd like to move on then to the next reading and having Chelsea H. read um, from page 11, paragraph 6, through page 12, paragraph 1. Hi, Chelsea. Good morning. Hi, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overheater for today. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. Despite the living example of my friend there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. Okay, set a timer here. All right, so for me, this is just so personal to me, this one paragraph about the vestiges, the last traces, the disappearing that are going as long as my um process of transformation is happening and here at this point in step two for me i um had the exact experience the words were arousing certain issues with me and i had been seeped in the king james version so i knew what god was at one point and i i knew well i had been fed what it was supposed to mean to me i never made the decision that i wanted to be anything i it was put upon me. I was a child. I was taught those things. But as I became an adult and was able then responsible for my own actions and my own behaviors, I took all the wrong paths. I tried everything under my own human power to create something that I wasn't capable of creating, but I didn't know what I didn't know, and I couldn't see what I couldn't see. But Bill sees. He said, I saw. He saw Ebby standing right there in front of him. 
and as was shared by Kim so beautifully, is that he knew Ebby. They hung together. They, they, he didn't have to say a word. So it became something where Bill was seeing that he was being a witness to the fact that recovery is possible, and it was blowing his mind. But he saw that his friend was reorganized on a different footing, his roots grass new soil. And it just makes me think of how the process worked within me and how at this point I too, I believed in something greater than myself. I didn't know what it was called. It was a mystery. And as it was so it was pointed out in the previous paragraph too, here was something at work in the human heart. It was indescribable. It was a mystery. He didn't say here was God at the heart, at working in his heart. It was something. So he was agnostic without it, without knowledge of what it is. That's all agnosticism is, is without knowledge. So it tells me that in the last analysis, when I get down to finally going through all my analysis, that I will find the great reality deep down inside of me. The answer, the first question to step two is, but where and how am I to find this power, since lack of power is my dilemma? And it's answered for me on page 55 when it says we found the great reality deep down within us. Change is deep down within us. And it is there that in the last analysis that it can be found. Once I get done with all my digging, I'll reach my bottom, and I'll be able to understand and grow in effectiveness and understanding by following someone else who walked that path and then have my own experience with it. It says that um, it talks about the seed that's planted, that sprouts. It talks about that a number of times, this whole gardening thing within, okay, that's my time, this whole gardening thing within the uh, big book. And um, if you look in the forwards, it talks about in country after country where the AAC was planted, it has taken root. So this is one drunk talking to another drunk and the other person seeing the possibility of recovery. Thanks for letting me share, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so much. We have time for one or maybe two, actually probably two, maybe three people to share on those two paragraphs. Who would that be? Sally J. Sally, Anita J., and Paula. Let's go with that and see how far we get. Thanks so much. Sally, good morning. Good morning, Melanie, and good morning to a vision for you, all of my friends and family. Sally in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. I want to um, speak to this word reorganize. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. And this word reorganized, you know, they use a few more words to highlight that word on page 27 in the middle of the page. I like the words that uh, sort of help us to understand what is he saying it says in the middle of page 27, they appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions, and here's the, the most precious word, motives. Conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. So we have the word reorganized here, the first word in the corner here at the top of page 12, reorganized. And here we understand that they're talking about this, this man is a different person. He's inwardly reorganized. There's been some shifting and rearrangement and change, and it didn't happen because of anything he did. He was powerless to bring it about. And I have to tell you that 
Every day as a recovered person, I see this reorganization in me. It's been such an eye-opening. I've been cleaning my attic, and I've been doing it a little at a time each night because it's really an amazing thing. What I've been carrying on my back for years, from place to place where I've lived, I've carried stuff and put it again into storage because I wouldn't let go of it. And as I pull this stuff out of my attic, and I'm giving it away to my patients, it's Christmas, so I'm just giving them stuff, and some stuff they need and some stuff they can just turn around and sell because some of them have little, uh, like, sales things in their front of their They always have these, like, little yard sales going on. So I'm giving it to them to sell and keep the money for themselves. And it's been so amazing to see what I've been carrying on my back for so long and how my eyes and my heart has changed and been reorganized to see with clarity, a clarity of mind that I never had and that now living in recovered, the land of recovered, how differently my perspective is, how different I see life and how different I see stuff and people. And this is the beauty of what Bill is seeing. He's seeing that his friend is not the same person, and we're not. We are different people when we become recovered, reorganized. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you, Sally A. Anita J. Thank you. Thank you very much, Melanie. This is Anita J., recovered compulsive reader in Massachusetts gratefully staring at these words and inwardly digesting them. Um, That is the great gift, uh, one of the gifts I received from Overeaters Anonymous because um, in 19, I'd say maybe 1970, 1971, the minister in my church had an affair and that was it. That was it, goodbye. And um, I threw the baby out with the bathwater. My daughter didn't want to leave. My son thanked me up and down. Never mind that. The point is, it was lacking. It it didn't have the substance. But that is just uh, so. So that that I threw it out. But I I have missed it my whole life. I uh, during those empty years before OA, I would find meetings. On Sunday morning, I was used to going somewhere and hearing a message and um, to walk in. And the first person I heard, and that was in 1978, mentioned God. She also mentioned the fears that I had never voiced. But she said them all, and she mentioned God. And um, that was the first time I, I was able to bring God back in and it was the beginning of getting on a different footing. But there's a sentence, I don't know if it's probably, it's probably in here with other words about not letting myself get in the way, my ego, my ego, until the last two years. It's almost two years now, I can't believe it. My ego finally got set aside and I was able to see how much this program and how the really right way to use God. The funny thing is that the right way to use God is to let him use me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And thank you to all that shared today. Paula D., we have run out of time. If you would stay for the second hour, we can put you first up to share on the second hour. 
appreciate that very much. And also for the fellowship, we're going to come back and revisit these two paragraphs. First up, that will be the first focus of our study for your planning and studying for tomorrow morning for sharing. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Nicole S., will you um, read? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Nicole S., a recovered um, compulsive reader from Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.